now arriving downtown Santa Monica Station. Hey, Adam. It's time for Notes on Your I'm Adam Lesser. And I'm Joshua Townsend Zellner. Welcome to Notes on Your Notes, a podcast about the creative process and storytelling. That ambient sound you hear is the sound of people eating uh, the most delicious Oaxacan food in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's really uh, good. Notes on Your Notes has uh, gone on the road. <laughs> Basically, I got tired of staring at Josh. <laughs> so we decided two things would make it better. Yeah, what's that? Um, Leaving the studio mm-hmm. and getting Mexican food, yeah, and bringing on the gentleman in front of me. And who's that, Adam? Alex Flores. Welcome to Notes on Your Notes. Muchas gracias por tenerme. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I just was like, oh, we're gonna have to pay a translator. No, no, no. no. We're in Southern uh, California. We're in we Southern get California. It. Yeah. Uh, Alex, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. This uh, is great. So, in a nutshell, we just we just finished dinner and it was yes. amazing. We did. Yeah, well, what did you have, Alex? So, well, I had what you had, which uh-huh. was like the super like vegetarian <laughs> like uh, meal. Uh-huh. Nopales, clayuda, yeah. the big corn tortilla. Yeah. Those special like beans that they brought us made with the avocado leaf. Oof. That was pretty good. You, you had not tasted any of those? Yeah. Um, I had the chorizo because you're a vegetarian and I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh-huh. so I had to add my, my, my thing. Carne. And my carne, uh, no, but they made the trees, you know, with the with the red salsa. Ah, that was pretty tasty. That nice. was pretty tasty. Nice. So we are for everyone know we are at Antequera, which is right near Paramount mm-hmm. on Melrose. Yeah. And we chose it because it is very authentic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of Josh's favorites. And Alex joins us from Mojo Global Arts. Yes. And see, 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 underlay, underlay. So, Alex, when we have people in the entertainment industry on the show. I often ask them a very stupid question, uh-huh. which is, you're a manager. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Well, I manage, <laughs> I manage existential crises <laughs> of creative people. Nice. Nice. Right. So that's, that's what actually what I do. If yeah. that's true, Josh and I have some questions that <laughs> yeah. you'd like to resolve. <laughs> yes. So directors and writers come, come to me with their, with their vision, you know, and actors too, and producers, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and through our expertise, like my expertise and my experience in both markets, you know, the Latin American market and the American market, like we try to, you know, like guide them through their creative process. It is a very, it's very complex, as you guys well know, it's not mm-hmm. like to make a movie or write a script yeah. or go to an audition, you know, or even have meetings. Is, is, it requires a certain preparation, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you spend a lot of time really educating them and preparing them and guiding them through these different markets and what material will be appropriate for which audience and what what will work at what at certain buyers oh yeah like like for example like uh last friday i spoke with one of our clients she's she's a very exciting uh, quebecois latina film director uh patricia chica she's uh central american and canadian oh wow um so uh she's making a girl, uh, a film called Montreal Girls. Oh wow! And she was telling me, you know, they were having some some issues with the script and and uh, and the budget reduction that was significant. And she, you know, she was having a, a hard time, <laughs> existential crisis, an existential <laughs> crisis. And then I told you know, like just just go back 
I love the, hi- the history of cinema, but world cinema, you know what I mean? And, and one of my favorite sources, like when Steven Spielberg like, had, was filming Jaws, and the shark didn't work. You know, the yeah. mechanical shark didn't yeah. work. So they said, like, you have to solve that problem. So it was by showing, you know, not showing the shark. You know, it was the, just the music and, and the people swimming, and they're being kind of like pulled down. So that's what I was telling her, you know what I mean? Like, like the creative process of, of the director, of a writer, is kind of like to always try and solve those, those problems, you know, in, in, in meaningful ways. Sometimes limitations are, are better, you know? Yeah. Uh, not showing is better than showing, you know? Like, uh, like, in, that, um, like in that example. So that was one, one example. Uh, uh, another one, you know, there uh, with another company that we represent, but it's 2B2 Benchufe. Uh, we're doing a pitch, and it's this beautiful property about uh, uh, teenager girls playing soccer in Ecuador based on a novel from Chile. It was a bestseller. And uh, we're working on the script, so they were, they've been very, very successful at, at comedy, you know, like digital comedy, like, uh, but short format. So right now, with our experience, you know, with long format and, and writers, you know, especially kind of like in, in bigger markets and, and, uh, and with the studios here, we're kind of like entering this new stage of the creative process with them, which is kind of like to really rewrite the script, uh, more kind of like take into consideration the requirements for, for a TV show at the studio level, you know what I mean? And um, so it's very interesting even for us because it's like I mentioned like the previous example, and, and right now this one is it's with highly creative, talented people that are facing new challenges, you know what I mean? And, um, and that's, just, you know, that's, that's kind of like what I do, you know, on a daily basis, you know? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So it's a combination of like working with people but also to helping develop their, their project, be it a script or be it pre-production or whatever phase they're in, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and, and it involves everything, you know? It's uh, um, with another one of our clients, with the great Mexican director, Alfredo de Villa, you know, he's, uh, I work with him as a music supervisor in two of his films, in Jello and Adrift in Manhattan. One of them was in Sundance in the uh, Guadalajara Film Festival like some years ago. And uh, he's a very solid writer. He studied literature, so he's one of those directors that really like, uh, go back to that, uh, the, the tradition of the novel, you know what I mean, of the characters. And, uh, and we had a meeting with Jordan Walker, you know, at, at Mojo, and he has this great idea for a TV show. So kind of just putting both of them together, you know, uh, Jordan being African American and and Alfredo being Mexican and 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 Latino, to try and create this vision of a of a show of a TV show that would involve casting in a meaningful way that it's knowledgeable. You know, that it doesn't feel fake. Yeah. That it doesn't feel like a cliche. You know. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So you would bring those 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 characters in in a new way, which is what that what's happening in entertainment right now. So that's another thing that happened uh, Tuesday, for example. That happened Tuesday afternoon. Cool. And, and that's what we do, you know what I mean? We, we try and look at, at what's happening, you know, uh, in terms of what the studios want or the, or the networks want. And we say, oh, it would be really cool to have an African-American Latino show. Mm. That would be fantastic, you know? Um, and that's another instance, you know, of, uh, with clients that we have, with the companies that we represent and directors that we represent. When the relationship is working well between a manager and a client, the client being a director, a writer, I know you guys also represent like studios from other countries, right? Like companies that are producing content from other countries that want an entree into new markets. When that relationship is working well, what does it look like? It, it's, um, 
I always tell our clients and, and, and my clients that that the most important thing it is communication, open-ended, constant, you know, with a lot of continuity, uh, telling the truth, you know what I mean, of what what the process is. So they can give me a script, for example, and the script is bad. Yeah. So then I'm going to be able to tell them, you know, uh, and give them notes. And they're going to engage in rewrites and more rewrites and and uh, kind of like for them to consider. So it, it looks like that. Like a good relationship looks like like that everybody's being aware of the process. Yeah. You know, regardless of the genre, regardless of anything. You know, that we're all on literally the same page, you know. Yeah. <laughs> literally the same page on the script, on story, on character development, on, on financial uh, requirements, on, on production requirements. And then we can, we can always be advancing, you know. But sometimes it takes years. Yeah. Sometimes it takes years. What do you What do you look for? So when you you know because there's only so much actors, writers, directors that you can represent. There are only so many hours in Alex's day. Uh-huh. Like you have to make decisions about who you rep. Uh huh. And what do you look for? Um, I look for for talent. You know what I mean? But talent is not enough. It's really not enough. So I look for that that passion. You know, behind behind the talent, uh, determination. You know, it's really, really important that 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 if you're thinking that you're going to be a film director, that you have, you know, endurance. You know, you're going to want to sit through ten years of development to get your project done if it yes, takes that. Yes, and it's and it's. Uh, I, I always refer to the cases. You know, like Gomez Rejon, the the director that did uh, Current War, the movie about Tesla. Yeah, yeah the one that just is. He's Chicano. You know, he's from El Paso, and and uh, he went through hell. You know, because they he did it with the Weinstein Company. And of course, everything fell apart, and, and it was it, the movie was taken away from him. He presented it at Toronto, and then they gave the final edit to Martin Scorsese, and then Martin Scorsese was like a gentleman and a, a scholar, and he gave the film back to him. Yeah, wow. You know, and, yeah. and he did his final edit with Martin Scorsese, kind of like approving, you know, because he had to approve. Um, and and I mean, it's that type of uh, endurance, you know, that the, because you're always going to face problems one way or another and, and it's hard for the creative person yeah and you need a management team around you you need people that that can guide you you know or, or you can protect you sometimes yeah, I, was just, yeah, I was gonna say you, that's a really interesting position to be in because you're both a bridge and a wall exactly wow i've never really looked at it before like that and it's very creative because it's 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 like uh i've been in my life you know i i studied philosophy and literature and anthropology uh, when I was in Mexico, and then when and then I was in, in in a punk band in my hometown called Los Edipos, you know what I mean? So I was really into music, and then I went to Cancun. It was a rock band for years there. And then came here, and I, and I graduated as an ethnomusicology major at UCLA. It's a combination of anthropology and literature and philosophy because it's a philosophy of music, you know, like ethnomusicology. And uh, so that kind of like all all comes. Uh, all comes together, you know. So, so, so for me, like, like it's it's a very rich process, you know. Yeah, I mean, you started your life as a musician. Uh, yes, and and a writer too. And a writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. a very good one, but a writer <laughs> nevertheless. You don't have any <laughs> hidden scripts. Do you have your own scripts in the drawer? No, I do. I do. You know, actually, I, I wrote two scripts, but I wrote them more to find out about the process. Mm. You mm. know, so so I could understand it better. Yeah. So so I, I wrote two. One is about. Uh, a German 
punk band, rock and español band in, in, in Germany, playing in Germany, in Spanish. <laughs> it's a true story. It's a, a, a band called Niños con Bombas. Uh -huh. So, and that script was actually uh, asked to be written by, by Fatih, you know, the, the, the famous German director that he won the Golden Globe two years ago for best foreign film. So he was, he, he was a friend. I mean, we used to hang out in the 90s together. And he said, like, I, I want to really make a movie about this, this rock and español band in Germany. So with my partner, with Alex Mank, and I kind of, like, we co-wrote uh, the script back then, you know, about that. It yeah. was interesting. But it was more about the, the process. You know? The process. Um, I want to talk a little bit about how you came to get involved in film and to love film. I know a lot of times people sort of, like, fall into it. But I'm also curious, just from a creative background perspective, what drew you to filmmaking? You know, it's... Film... It's like a... It's like a, it's like a metaphysical system. You can really see life, interpret life, and figure out life through film. You know, so... And, and you don't know that when, when that is happening, when you're first exposed. But, I mean, I, I remember, you know, Disney movies when I was a, a kid, you know, and I was fascinated by them. Um... And then, of course, you know, it's kind of like I was just going to the movies as a kid. But, but what, my first, first experience is because I lived in Mexico, in the U.S., I lived half and half, you know. Uh, I'm Mexican-American, literally, you know. Yeah. Dual citizenship, bicultural, bilingual, you know. Uh, and I remember in, 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 in 78 when I watched Star Wars in San Antonio, Texas. It was like before and after. It was like, oh, my God, this is crazy. <laughs> so, so that was like my first thing, kind of like really getting into that. And with music, you know, like, my favorite movie was Yellow Submarine also, like, the Beatles. So that, that was, I remember that me and my brother, we were in San Antonio, and we didn't have internet nor cable back then even. It was just network. And, and, and we would get the TV guide in the newspaper in, in, in San Antonio. And I remember that my brother told me, my God, they're playing Yellow Submarine, but it's at 3 a.m. in the morning. Like, we'll watch it. <laughs> and we waited until 3 a.m. Wow. And they had, like, commercials, like, every five minutes. But, but, but it, was, it was hard to see movies. So that always kind of like uh, informed you when I when I saw like uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah. I remember also very clearly Lord of the Rings, the nineteen seventy eight version. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that, that was a Disney movie, and then of course like Mexican film was also very it, it, it was very strong. Like like growing up, like part of uh, of uh, of my daily life, you know, because I would come back from when we went back to Mexico, uh, back from high school, and they would play the Tintan movies. You know the Pachuco movies, oh, yeah. uh, Tintan movies after the meal at the, because in Mexico you eat at two p.m. So at three p.m. they would play those movies, which are like comedies, uh -huh. and and that was like a really like that was really important, you know. And the Luchadores movies also, so also always kind of like going back and forth, back and forth, you know. Mm -hmm. And then you grew up into that, and uh, and it's funny because art cinema, we didn't recognize it as art cinema. There was actually like 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 kind of like a soft porn cinema in my hometown, Cine Radio, which was like the oldest one, <laughs> and and I saw all of the Pasolini films there, <laughs> Almodovar. Really? <laughs> yeah. No. Wow. Kubrick. That was considered softcore. Yeah, yeah. So that, because they would say, okay, it has nudity, so it must be like like. So I would see a lot of those movies oh, there. You know, it was really interesting. Yeah. 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 And uh, so so it's it's a very mixed. It's a very mixed uh, uh, combination. And it's kind of schizophrenic because you're living between two worlds, you know, like, like uh, you're exposed to two cultures at the same time all the time, you know? Yeah. 
you know, you know, you know, what you guys have. You guys have uh, the Mexican. The Mexican uh, world has that we don't have. It's that fantastical realism, uh-huh. and we just don't have it in in the U.S. Mm-hmm. as such, or in English. And and how does that influence your your tastes and sensibilities? Because even the art form is so. Like when someone develops a lot of art in Mexico City or international mm-hmm. art, it has a very distinctive stamp or flavor or taste, and it's so different than. American, you know, Andy Warhol, whatever. I think it has to do with, with culture. Mm-hmm. When, when, when you bring together a lot of mythological systems like you, did, you do with pre-Hispanic cultures and Indian cultures and, and then, of course, the Spanish, European, uh, American, uh, and everything kind of like clashes in, in this dreamlike reality. Uh, and that's where, where you, you find Cabrera Infante in Cuba or Lesama Lima also in Cuba with Paradiso. I like them better than Garcia Marquez because everybody goes to Garcia Marquez, but I like Paradiso way better, you know what I mean? And it's this, this sense of the, the Lesama Lima would have a great phrase like, let's get lost in our daily labyrinth, you know? Uh, because he would see re- reality as a, as a labyrinth filled with symbols like uh-huh. food and reality, but it's always mysterious and it's always like dreamlike. Um, so, so that's kind of like where, where we come from. And it comes from, from, from a culture that, that has magical thinking. Yeah, you guys you know, do. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, European tradition that founded the United States is, 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 a, is a rationalist, puritanical system, which is great too. I really admire but But it's more about technology. It's more about building. It's more about finances. You know? and, and, and down there, it's more about ritual. Mm-hmm. It's more about, more about death and life and it's just the way it is, you know, and, and, and because that is how life was organized. Yeah. It was not about, it was not organized around invention and about, and, and, and industry, you know, it was, it was not so rooted in the age of reason and science and hypothesis and and that sort of strictly linear way of thinking. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. Yeah. Like, like, uh, and, and I can see that very clearly because I enjoy both. Yeah. I really have a lot of respect for both. You know, I, I don't, I don't negate either. You know, I, I I adore the the U.S. has given me rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because that didn't come from Mexico. You know what I mean? Yeah. And but also, you know, I adore that that Mexico like gave me Octavio Paz and food, Mexican food, like we were just eating just now. You know, um, and uh, just this beautiful iconography and the painting and the architecture that that, that we have that you don't have here. You know, yeah. that you don't have here. So yeah. so so that is. Uh, that's always for me interesting, you know, and I feel privileged, you know, to be in both worlds, you know. Uh, I'm curious, like, how you see the Latinx market right now for, you know, I guess, film and television and how streaming and OTT services have changed that. Because that is a big part of what you do is to represent that talent from South American countries and from Mexico, Mexico and elsewhere. And do you f- does it feel like things are opening up even more, like there's even more interest and more buyers? Like, how does it... You know, I, I, I'm always hesitant to use that word Latinx. I never want to put those producers and those mm-hmm. managers in that box. But, like, what is, what, is, what, what is going on in, like, that world of, you know, Spanish language? Well, you know, I think that the... And, and I lived in the States as a kid, you know, in Texas. That was, like, 1971 to 1970 to 72. It was the Vietnam era, you know what I mean? The post-Vietnam, like, and, 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 and from 77 to 80... You know, when I went to elementary school and went back to Mexico. And then I came, came back here, like, uh, in, the, in the 90s, you know what right. I mean? During the Pete Wilson era, which was, like, pre-Trump, you know, in yeah. a way. It was very, 
it was very xenophobic towards Mexicans. Yeah. But I've always experienced that yeah. since I've been a kid in the States. You know, there, there, there was always that divide and that racism, and, and it's kind of like that you're a second class citizen type feeling. Uh, it's still happening, you know, but it's happening less. You know, it, it, it has the, the, it gives us the impression that it's as prevalent as it was before, but I, I've been here since I've been a baby, literally. Yeah. You know? I mean, going back and forth, the two countries. So, and I'm, and I'm bringing all this context to your question. Yeah, yeah no, this because is I think it's relevant. Yeah, because I think it's relevant. Um, um, I don't usually like to talk about racism, but there's definitely racism. Yeah. And, and sometimes it is unconscious, which is very frustrating. So, so you, would, you would have me kind of go to the studios, uh, to networks, and we're always trying to, to pitch the Latino experience. You know what I mean? We even have a pitch also kind of like through one of our clients about like the founders of the state of California, which was like uh, Pico, Pico Rivera, you yeah. know? He was a black Mexican. Like the first governor of the state of California was a black Mexican, a mulatto. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that is hidden. Sepulveda, they were like the founders, like the Sepulveda. So like, you see pictures of them. They look like me. You know what I mean? They're like full-blown Mexicans, you know? Yeah. And, and, and that's recent, you know? We're talking 1840s. Yeah. So we have been relegated systematically from, from discourse and hidden. And, and that has been systematic. It has this politic political and economical functions for the powers that be. And it's fine, you know, that's, that's how powers kind of like behave. But nevertheless, it's, it's always hard for, for us kind of like to, to come forward and say we want to convey our experience as, as Latinos uh, this way, not your, reflect, your mirror reflection way, you know, that the studios have. Yeah. And it's very, very hard. So Latinx, it is like another chapter of that. You know, uh, so and I've spoken with executives at Sony, for example, you know, with uh, Alexander San, who's a great friend, you know, and, and 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 they tell us, you know, it's it's the the American experience of Latinos already speaking in English, you know, but not not necessarily kind of like uh, talking about crossing the border or drug cartel stories, but more about being a lawyer, you know, what I mean, being in high school, completely integrated. You know, your your friends are one African American, one Asian, a couple of white kids. You know what I mean? And you're you're part of that, but it's not with that cultural resonance that you need to have it more as an integration. Like there's a show on HBO right now, Euphoria. Yeah. Uh, that you have one of the two leads, they're Latinas. You know what I mean? But you don't feel them. You know, they're like American. So that's that's what it's kind of like Latinx. You know, that it's it's kind of like next generation, second, third, fourth generation uh, Latinos in the in the in the U.S. already kind of like integrated. You know, and of course, there's all this content being created from that perspective. And I mean, and that's English language content, right? Even though it's English and Spanish. It's mostly English. Yeah. It's mostly English. And then regionally, and that's part of our company, you know, as, as, as Mojo Global Arts, uh, we really pride ourselves. I really pride myself in, into really knowing the nuances of Latino culture all the way from Spain, all the regions in the United States, you know, that... I can go, I can be in California, you don't really know kind of like the differences, you know? Even from Latinos in LA and San Diego and Sacramento, you know what I mean? And then, you, of course, you go to New Mexico and Arizona, it's a different vibe. Mm-hmm. Texas, I mean, I grew up there, it's a completely different vibe than here. And then you go East Coast, it's different. It's Puerto Ricans, it's Venezuelans, it's Cubans, it's Dominicans. Uh, they have different ways of talking Spanish. And also they have different ways of integrating Spanish into English. And also their cultural experience, the way they write their stories is, is very, very different. 
you know. Yeah. Uh, and then you go regional, which you go to Mexico. It's a very specific way of, of, of trying to create those stories or Colombia and Argentina or Spain again, you know what I mean? Do you feel like you have to be acutely sensitive to the type of storytelling and the type of uh, content that those specific markets want? That, that is a very interesting question. Yes, we have to be. And, and Mexicans were kind of like, Mexicans born in Mexico were, were, were different. Like, for example, you have Guillermo del Toro, Iñárritu, and Cuarón. So they would make really Mexican films like Roma or Itumama Tambien, like Cuarón. Right. But then he would make Gravity, right. you know, which is a science fiction space movie. You know? And you would have uh, Iñárritu that would make Beautiful, which is a Barcelona film, like really interesting like, Spanish film. And then he would make Birdman, you know, which is an art house film, you know, about Raymond Carver, which is an American writer, you know what I mean? And the whole movie comes around. But then he would make The Revenant, which is a Western, yeah. you know? And that is very specific to, to Mexican filmmakers in the States. But then you go to Mexico, and the type of film that they're making is very particular, you know? Uh, so so it's, uh, it's very nuanced and different. Different going from, from from region to country, you know what I mean, and, and directors. Yeah. Um, if there's, is there advice you would give to people out there looking for management as they go through that process? Because you see it from the other end. <laughs> the, um, I think that that, um, like for example, we're 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 also building like a virtual reality division. Right. You know, and, and it's fascinating. I've always been fascinated by virtual reality and technologies. Like I said, you know, the first movie that I saw that broke my mind was like that really like it was a Star Wars, you know? So it was like wow, like this is incredible. And uh, with uh, with with virtual reality, you know, we're working with this great Russian director, Ilya Roskov. He did uh, Agent Emerson, created his own technology, like own cameras and and right now, like just this morning, you know, I was talking with this producer in the Ukraine, and we're having a meeting at 9 a.m. Like, and and we're building this this uh, this division. So, so the advice is, I've been having a conversation with Ilya for three years, you know, and, and he showed me his like like traditional films, like short films that he did, and I was like, wow. And then he said, well, and I really want to do VR. So it is to stick with it. That would be the, the most important thing, you know what I mean? If you're going to be a writer or a director or everything, you know, you have to be systematic about it, diligent, you know, it's, 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 it's long haul. And we noticed that right away, you know, like when I met Ilya three years ago, it was like, oh my God, this guy is the real deal. You know, he is. What did you pick up on? Was it because he was continually focused on doing project after project or was it he was honing in and he really wanted to push forth with VR? Like what do you, when you say that, like the real deal, what does it feel like on your end? That the quality was, in, even in, in his short, the, the, it was a short uh, with Greg Luganis of, of all people, you know, the, the diver. The, the diver. Um, our house short. And it's like all the elements were there. You know, the, the story was great, the direction, the, the acting, the casting that he did, yeah. uh, the production, uh, the presentation. And it showed kind of like years of work just before kind of like getting to that. Yeah. So, so you know that the, the, that director is going to keep on improving, you know. So, the, so the, depth, the depth of the storytelling, like earlier you were saying that the story is everything. So you felt like that he really proved his story in the sense of his... Yes. And that is a really that uh, that is a really great point, you know. Like, uh, I've uh, one one of the main tests that I do with uh, with people that we want to work with is that they give me a script, and and I and we give them we do coverage and we give them uh, notes, and if they're resistant to the notes, 
there's no way you can work with that person, you know, yeah. even if it's talented, you know, because it's, it's, it's going to be very, very hard. And that is, so, so if I give the notes and then they, they deliver and they do two or three rewrites, I'll, I'll, I'm thinking we can work with him or her, you know, most definitely because they're going to be able to, to get it to the finish line, you know. They can integrate the notes. They can listen. They can adapt. Yeah. Adapt to budget changes, to like, cast changes. Right. Like this scene is too expensive to shoot. We need to do it another way. Yeah. The network wants this character to be. Oh, we're not shooting in Mexico City. We're shooting in South Africa. <laughs> Small stuff. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but you need to have that type of uh, yeah. artist, you know, in the, in the ample sense of, um, yeah. of yeah. the world. In terms of, because this management, is, it, it requires that. They, they, they allow us the opportunity to, to expand their vision, to expand their careers. I guess you know what it is also it's it's people to know the difference between being flexible and what you can give up on and, and what you need to hold the course on and it's like how how do you do both right as yeah like um, um, I, I co-produced an animation with Edward Olmos and Phil Roman and, and, uh, and Ricardo Arnaiz it was the first co-production for US and Mexico for animation and uh there was a lot of problems with that movie, but, but it was a beautiful process, too, because we integrated, uh, they gave us a script in Spanish, it didn't work. We translated it to English, it didn't work. Uh, and then I told the director, we really have to rewrite this thing again with an American writer specialized in animation. And he was always, Ricardo Arnaiz, he, he was always really open-minded. He said, okay, so let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. So he would listen to the producers, and he would listen. To, he would pay attention to process, and uh, and that allowed us to to always advance and um, and improve. Just the writing of that script took two years. You know what I'm describing in 17 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> took two years, but 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 it's usually uh, like that, you know. And the projects that get done are the ones that have directors that are that flexible. You know? So patience, endless patience with the process and timing and trust and allowing and mindset and all those things come into play. Yeah, and kind of like go, going back to, to the example of, of the great Mexican filmmakers right now in the world, you know, that, that, that you would have Iñárritu kind of like do Revenant and, and Beautiful, you know what I mean? And they're very, very different. So, so you can analyze. And I always bring those examples to, to our clients. It's like, let's, let's write something at the level of the shape of water. You know, let's, let's do it because they have the talent and, 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 there is, and, and it's possible. But we just need to, to help them shape that, uh, that idea so we can uh, enter the market and the festivals the right way. You know, I started my career in, in global sales, you know, in Milan with Morris. Yeah. Uh, representing the, the, the sales of a, of a Mexican movie, Tiempo Real, back in 2002, I believe. And, um, and it's always been a process of, of, of learning, you know, and, and, and how kind of like the, the market is always changing, it's always expanding. And, and sometimes like the, the creative people, and I'm one of them too, kind of like they, they come with a fixed ideas and, and you, you try and tell them, no, 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 let's open it up. Let's open it up. Let's bring other elements. Like let's, why not you don't direct a, a movie that is only in English? Like, like Lorraine, you know, he, he's a Chilean director. And uh, and he did his one of his movies in Spanish, and did it, he did this his, his own remake in English. Yeah. <laughs> wow! You know, we just we just, and that is just it sounds crazy when you mentioned you know that you're gonna do that, but he did it. You know, and it worked. You know, and established his career. It's an interesting creative process issue because it's like you basically are making the same movie, but you have to think of it in a totally new creative sense for a wholly new culture and a whole new language. But it, you probably feel close to it because you already know that you've already made that movie. He. 
he uh, he he spoke about it. I mean, I was there in a in, in a screening with him, and I always bring this example to the directors and writers that we work with. You know, it's like it is possible because sometimes they want to do their their American film first. And I said, no, no, you you have to kind of establish, kind of get get to be known in the festivals. You know, go and we can do that with them. You know, like we can create something that is able kind of to go to Sundance and Berlin and Venice. You know, and, and really compete, try and compete, con. Uh, and then we, we can really work in a, in, in, in a project in English, you know, that works for the global market in English. You yeah. know what I mean? and, and that's what a lot of world directors do, you know. Um, so that's part of our expertise and our, and our, uh, and our method, kind of like to, to use that one. So it's interesting because we're talking both about regional projects and also world projects that are built to be for the worldwide market. Yes. Yeah, and, and they're very different. Are there spontaneous crossovers? You don't know what's going to work right now. Like like yeah. shows in Netflix like Elite or Narcos, especially like Elite, uh, La Casa de Papel, they were filmed to be watched in Spain. Yeah. And they're global phenomenons right now. They're going to translate to 100 different languages. I mean, I don't know how many like different languages. And uh, so you cannot anticipate, but, but there is... There's sometimes like like our our clients kind of like come in, and they tell me I want to do this project in, in the U S. and I said no no that is that is great regional, you know it should stay just in Mexico, you know it should be done in Mexico. One of our clients, uh, Alex Balaza, he has uh, Blind Spot Productions, and he's doing this beautiful series for Discovery right now. Alex and Alush is a musical with the producers from Glee in Mexico in Cancun, you know so and it's regional because Disney Plus wants regional in Spanish. Netflix was regional in Spanish. Amazon is the same thing, you know. So, so sometimes they're thinking English, and we say no, no, no. It's Spanish regional, and it's going to be beautiful. Let's think of something else, kind of like to, to, uh, to make it here. What's your take on Disney? Uh, and they had what ten million subscribers in one day. I know. What's your take on that? What What is that going to do to the market? The. And what I'm saying right now is not. I mean, because everybody's kind of like talking about it, so. So there's a saturation of content, uh, but it is true that, that what defines right now production is the niche that you're kind of like aiming for. So it is, we're seeing a kind of like a great interest in documentary. Even us, we have a documentary division right now with Mojo, you know, and we're doing all types of documentaries, music documentaries and cultural documentaries, social impact documentaries. And we have uh, sports is becoming a big thing with Twitter and with Facebook Watch. We, you know, we were talking about this company that we represent in Spain, 2B2 and Chufe. Like, 2B2 just signed a deal with Facebook Watch Spain for eight shows. And Facebook Watch Latin America for another eight shows. And, and that is just a lot of content. A lot yeah. of content, but it's worldwide and it's very niche. Like, uh, we saw part of, uh, of an episode of, of, of the shows for 2B2 for Facebook Watch. And it's just a beautiful teenage series for Spain, you know? Yeah. It is very, very specific, you know? You're not going to watch it. I'm not going to watch it. But, but the audiences are there. Do you think something like that, is it so regional and specific that you couldn't sell that to other Spanish language markets? You never know. It's like it happened with La Casa de Papel. La Casa de Papel was done by, 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 Spanish, by, by Spanish studio. And, and it wasn't that successful when it came out. When Netflix picked it up and threw it in their, in their service, then people just kind of like uh, reacted. Narcos happened as a fluke. And I know this because people from CA kind of like told me that it was just... 
something kind of like didn't happen and they had the suit kind of like they had to produce something else and they put it together kind of like on the go. So that's was why it's supposed to be Spanish language. The first season is weird because you have uh, uh, Wagner Moura, yeah. who we work with, Brazilian. You know, I actually actor. had a great dinner with him at, at Sundance, like this was like seven years ago. Yes. His father's chair. The shoreline represents the that movie, and uh, and and when I saw it. It was like he's from Brazil and and he is, you know, acting uh, Colombian yeah. drug dealer. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, all the all the cast members, one was talking like a Mexican, the other one like a Spanish, <laughs> the other one like an Argentine, and they, they didn't work on the accent. And I, I I could almost not watch it because of that because I was like, oh my god, this is crazy. This is like right, so. Yeah. On the second season, they corrected that, so they were all talking like Colombians, you know. But but it it happened on the go, and and you can really notice it in the first season. It was really funny. You know, so so they were not expecting that. That was not planned, and that was Gamont, which is French. Yeah. So they they're the theatrical chain, you know, like AMC mm-hmm. in France, but they're also production uh, studio. They do both. Uh. So 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 they're both like um, like Cinepolis in Mexico. They're both. I guess that's one of the things of streaming now, because there's no limit on distribution. You have no idea what's going to happen. Meaning, I imagine like 99% of the time, the expectation happens that you release something in a regional market. It does whatever you think it's going to do. But occasionally, because it's on a streaming service and you intended it for Spain, but it's also streaming in Colombia and Brazil, that suddenly it can become popular in a market that's unexpected. Totally. Uh, Narcos is an example. Casa de Papel. Um, and um, like we don't know what's going to happen with Alex and Alouche, you know, the show and, uh, and, uh, for Discovery. Yeah. Uh, so it's 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 open ended, you know. It's really really open ended, uh, and a lot of the creators are are working their strategies like that, you know. They're they're kind of like people say that they know what's going on, but nobody predicted this. What yeah. happened with Casa Papel, Narcos, and like that? No, nobody saw it coming. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody saw it coming. And then we have all the different. Formats like, I mean, like Twitter is talking about content partnerships, so they're creating networks with production companies, so they can, you know, they, they just signed a deal with uh, with uh, ESPN College and CNN College, so they can can produce more video. So that positions our companies kind of like to be in that chain. So 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 the content production is just multiplied by a hundredfold. Yeah. Uh, but all those audiences are there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Disney owns all of it. I mean, Disney owns ESPN. Disney owns ABC. It Disney is. owns... Keep and, going, you know. And they withdraw all their content from, from Netflix. You know, so wow. so all that content is gone. Wow. Pixar, Disney, all the animation. So that's why they're really betting for, like, to to finance a movie like Irishman. You know, the studios wouldn't pick it up because it's, it's a three-hour-and-a-half film about aging, you know. I think it was, like, $160 million. It was, And they gave Martin Scorsese, like, final cut. A studio wouldn't have done that because it's too much risk, you know. But Netflix kind of like can do. It. But Netflix needs an Academy Award nomination, you know, because that builds that brings kind of like subscribers. Because all of their uh, movies from from Fox, from Disney, from NBA, they're they're living, they're, they're done. So yeah. they're, it's going to be their own content from from now on, you know. Yeah, and in fairness, they were one of the first streaming services, probably the first to understand that they needed to bet very big on on a smaller number of projects, even if they had a large catalog of other content. I mean, going back, I remember when House of Cards got, deal got done, people were like, you're going to spend that kind of money. I think the initial run was $50 million or something like that. You're going to spend that kind of money. But I think they understood, like, in a subscribership model, you have to have, like, that flagship content to get, like, people will pay, a certain demographic will pay and subscribe to Netflix just to see that one movie. Totally. You know? And the same same was true of House of Cards. And I think other, the other streaming services sort of adopted that model as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like 
there's Apple Plus, there's Disney Plus, Hulu, Netflix, Amazon Prime, um, Quibi on the sm- on the, some of the smaller content. Mm-hmm. Are you feeling it on your end that there's a huge demand for content? Yeah, because our our companies are really like like uh, 2B2 Benchufe. They're they're they just released their movie with Sony last weekend, The Academy X. They're filming right now for YouTube Originals, uh, uh, um, just a, an original. Uh, it was called it's Mortal Glitch. I believe I'm, they're going to kill me if I said it correctly. But they're they're filming right now. It was introduced in, in they have a convention uh, for YouTube Originals, and they had it in Mexico City, and it was introduced as the, kind of like the big show. Uh, we're we're also pitching a show like 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 so so there's all these things that are that are happening. This thing that I mentioned on on on, on Discovery, uh, we represent this other great director, Francisco Javier Padilla. He just finished. Uh, a film, on, a documentary on the uh, this, uh, the Mexican soccer legend Hugo Sanchez. You know what I mean. So, so that is another thing that is there happening at the same time because there's all this demand also kind of like for sports content. Alfredo De Villa is also doing this incredible documentaries about the Chicano experience in sports for ESPN right now. Wow. You know, he just finished a couple, and and they're beautiful and people are watching it. Do you think like everything has has the demand for content accelerated? the development cycle meaning there's just less time to get stuff out there because the demand is now yeah so you have less time to finish a project it's got to go more quickly yeah and and t- talking about like being uh being able to adapt like for directors like like directors if they're documentary filmmakers and all of a sudden they have their ideas you know and but they tell them you know there's this opportunity to make this docuseries on on salsa music you know mm-hmm are you interested? You know, it's this network. So, yeah, let's go. So the market is also kind of like going to dictate, you know, where, where you're going to go. If you're interested, of course, and you can do it. But, but they will also tell you, you know, we're, we like you, but we don't want to do what you're proposing, but we want you to do this. Yeah, yeah. Because this is what the network or the platform requires right now. Yeah. Just of content. Which goes back to that relationship thing, which is developing relationship and not being so tied up into a project. And, and be more focused on the relationship with production companies, with management, with agents. You know, we, like uh, uh, one of my partners at, at Mojo Global Arts, Doug Warner, you know, he's a good, great manager, agent. You know, he's uh, had a lot of experience. And he always tells me, and he tells our clients that, it's all about relationships. You know, you, you, you go to the studios, you go to the networks, you go to the platforms, and, and, and you tell them, I'm here. You know, yeah. I can do this. I've done this, and and I can work with with anything that you want to kind of like to to work with. So something I've been working with, which is really showing up in this inter- in this in our conversation today, is this thing of open system, closed system. Mm-hmm. And so if I work with an open system, I'm going to be a lot more available, a lot more flexible, a lot more mm, generous, a lot more gracious, a lot more available for mm-hmm. different kinds of work as opposed to like the older systems which tend to be what I call closed systems mm-hmm. which are there just to replicate something over and over and over mm-hmm. and it it runs its course at a certain time because then it's over because it's closed it's not allowing any new information before as a director you would have that you know you, you, like you, the you, studio system yeah, yeah exactly yeah. And, and that would be a closed system yeah. that you would yeah. have you know, there's a script, there's a movie, and this is yeah. what I want to do, and yeah. this is what I... And, and right now, like, like, like both of you guys are saying, like, the, the demand is so vast, and there's so many niches of audiences that want specific types of content, and even the students are always kind of like behind trying to figure out how that demand is occurring, uh, that, that everybody has to be a lot more fluid and a lot more open-minded, so more going towards the open system mm-hmm. that, uh, that you're talking about. And that is new. You know, that is new yeah. also. Yeah, you know? it seems like it, yeah. Because otherwise, mm-hmm. it used to be, you know, the studio system, which was akin to a factory. 
you know, where everyone was under contract. You know, you had you had so many weeks to do a, a film, and it had to be done. You know, a factory. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And and I mean, I watched movies in, in my cell phone. I watched TV series in my cell phone, documentaries. You know, and big screen. You know, I go from what format to the next myself. You know, but my son who's twenty one. You know, he he doesn't go to the movies anymore. He's like. Don't buy, don't bother me. I go into the it's like for him. It's crazy to go see a movie. Is it the expense <laughs> or is it the cultural? Like he just like why would I do that? Because I can just watch on my laptop. It, yeah, or it, my phone, or, or the phone. And it's more for this generation. Is is kind of like uh, this is what I see. It's more about the interaction of kind of like flowing through different kind of like narratives at the same time. If you want to be kind of like really analytical about it, you know, huh. so you go with Snapchat and then Instagram and then kind of like you send the text with the with the photograph and 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 then you go and then you what? So it's all kind of like more like and, and that's why you have formats like Quibi, you know, like the or YouTube, you know, the started at all. You have this seven minute, five minute, eight minute, ten minute films, a lot of comedy, you know, and and, and it's because generations just kind of just change the way that they consume uh, content. Yeah, you know. What about novellos? Are they still alive in, in South and Central America? They are. They are? Alive and well. Okay. Yeah, alive <laughs> and well. And they will be forever because that's like tragedy and drama. So it's as old as, as the Greeks and Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that fun how certain forms if people, just keep going? If people fall in love, you're going to have, you have, uh, you're gonna have, uh, have telenovelas. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's, uh, so that's, hopefully it's going to still be happening. Um, the, yeah, so, but those, those formats are, are just there you know and, and they're very they're very traditional especially kind of like to latino tv yeah you know but and we're used to that you know to those formats yeah. you know what i can't believe is every once in a while I'll, I'll come to a place like this how do you say the name of this restaurant again antiquera 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 i come to antiquera and I, you know, sometimes they have the tv on or whatever and i see these i guess whether they're novellas or whatever but oh my goodness the ladies dress in such a provocative way yeah. i'm saying that in a nice way <laughs> um and uh, you know it's just like only only on a certain kind of country is that like a norm like here we wouldn't like it's no bueno <laughs> 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 Josh so, is uh, Josh is being shocked by telenovelas. I, I'm just like, oh my god! That's no, no, but it, it even happens it's, at, it's at like uh, the the weather girls. You know when they come, they're yeah. very and and the new shows also they come like they dress yes. more. Yes, that probably you know that is. I mean, we're we've entered a new era. You know, of uh, the Me Too movement, and 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 that probably has to change. You know what I mean? Like not the opti- but it, yeah. it's, it's it's true. You know, yeah. it comes more from the macho Latino culture. Mm-hmm objectification of, of, of women, you know what I mean? Yeah. And all those things that are not that positive, you know? Do, is, are things, you know, it, it seems like there's at least a perception whether it is or isn't true, I don't know, that things are changing in, in Hollywood now around that. It certainly seems like some of the content that's being created is changing. Is the same true in a post-Me Too world in, you know, Mexican film and TV and in, in, in some of the Latin American markets that you see? A lot less. You know, I'm, I'm me, like me and my wife together. You know, we're like huge feminists. You know, I've been to all the women's marches and the gay marches with her, and and, uh, and what I've seen in the last three years of the women's marches, you know, that we go there and it's like, oh my God, it's no longer Democrat against Republican. It's like estrogen against testosterone. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like a new era. Um, we represent another client, Kamala Lopez, and and she has this documentary about equal rights. You know, equal means equal, and it's because women are not constitutionally equal to men. In the Constitution, 
I didn't know that until I saw the documentary. So you just came back from, from Virginia kind of like to get the vote, to get the, the amendment passed. Mm. It's been fought since the 80s. Yeah, the you know? uh, Exactly, so the ERA. So, so that is happening. Uh, again, so, so all, those, all those issues are incredibly important. Like every time we go to the movies, we see all these women directors, you know, having first-time directors. And, and the stories, the way they tell them is, is, is very, very different. But here in the U.S., we have probably in the history of humanity, the history of humanity, the most prepared, accomplished, powerful group of women in the history of humanity mm. here. And that is amazing to see. And that's hmm. that momentum, that cultural momentum that took hundreds of years in the, in, in the Western world kind of like to get to this point. So we're, I, I see it as a major, major cultural shift, like almost like inventing the fire. You know, I mean, mm. it's like this is happening and... and, and what we're seeing is all symptoms of something that is a lot bigger, but it's not that we're behind. In, in a lot of things, Latinos are more sensitive to more things. We're not as rational and as abstract, mm-hmm. and that makes it better, you know, to mm-hmm. be more guided by the heart and by emotion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but it, this is something that is happening here first, especially kind of like on, on, on the West Coast in Hollywood, you yeah. know, yeah. which is fascinating. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm always supporting that. As a Latino, you know, yeah. as a Mexican-American, yeah. yeah. So I put Morris uh, Ruskin on the spot when he was here. Uh, obviously, <laughs> Alex, for those listeners who don't know, Morris uh, is the founder of Globo, Global Mo- Mojo. Morris is the founder <laughs> of Mojo Global Arts, um, where Alex works, is a partner there. And um, one of the things I ask him is, like, how do you know when things are not working? You know, like, so for you and a manager-client relationship, I kind of have two questions. Mm-hmm. How do you know when it's not working well? Mm-hmm. And from the perspective of, like, the artists, the writers, the directors, the creators, what should they be wary of and look for when they're looking for a manager? Usually, in my case, because you have to be so optimistic all the time. You know what I mean? Once, once you sign with somebody and you enter that type of creative rela- relationship through representation, it's like you're, you're betting for the muse, you know, like Charles Bukowski used to say, you know, like you're going full force into creating the most amazing piece of art possible. You know, um, so when things are not working, it's because usually it's just that it's so hard. You know, we've gone with properties uh, and presented them to twenty studios because we really believe in the writer and the yeah. director, and they just, they just don't, they do they don't get picked up. You know, and uh, and sometimes that that relationship gets worn out, but it's not by the lack of quality on the on the script or the movie, or or what we're doing is just that it just didn't connect you know and uh and and sometimes it's circumstantial you know it's like some elements are not working and and it's just you just kind of have to to like reanalyze the whole process or kind of like sometimes kind of like separate it you know but it's it's uh so let's role play i have a question so Uh let's assume that i in this in this project i'm the writer director Uh you've gone out you love the project and you went you went out and we pitched it to 20 Uh studios Uh 20 platforms Uh and everyone passed Uh passed. we're now sitting in the office and i say to you or or we're sitting at this mexican restaurant (laughs) alex what do we do now so that is a really good question so i would i would tell you you know i would tell you let's look at your other projects Okay. What is it that you have right now? So probably you would tell me, well, I have this documentary. Okay, well, that's good. So it's a documentary about rock bands in Mexico. Well, that's fantastic. You know, we're, we have the documentary division. So let's put that project aside for now. You know, we'll keep on pitching it. 
but probably uh, the 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 time where the market is going to react to that is going to be later. You know, yeah. somebody will be interested, an actor, a producer, a showrunner, another writer will come in and, and make it connect. But meanwhile, we can work on this. What other thing do you have? Oh well, I have a, you know, I have this like short film that I think would be really good. Kind of like, okay, perfect. So let's let's look at it. Or I'm, or you know, I'm I'm interested in in doing something with sports. Okay, so we have you know we have the sports division. Why don't like why don't we do with something that we can bring you with branded content? Find a brand that could sponsor. We can create some content. So that's that will be okay. The so, so what's interesting to me now about what you're saying is that in a in a positive supportive relationship, the manager is like, look, I believe in you. Let's find something else you can do that we can pitch in some other way, and let's put this aside. We'll pitch it, but we'll have other content because I think sometimes the rap of some people when they complain about their managers or their reps is mm-hmm. like the reps are like, you're not making anything I can sell, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a legitimate complaint, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's not long-term relationship driven. Or you had something, a big project that got done and now you're not the focus anymore because that's not, you know, I think it's that kind of thing because you spoke earlier about relationships and mm-hmm. it's like, I'm curious about that. Like if, if you repped someone, if you had a client and you repped them five years ago on a project and you really believed them, uh, believed in it and maybe it didn't get picked up, You'll take their call, right? Oh, because oh, because you believe definitely. they're fundamentally. And on the flip side, if someone did something that was a little bit of a commercial success, but you don't really believe in it, are you less are you less excited to take take out future work? I'm, you know, I'm I may sound naive or probably that I'm like stretching the truth, but like I re- like once we sign with somebody and 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 let's say that they're gonna do this really commercial romantic comedy, you know that that I don't. I wouldn't kind of like go watch myself because it's not my style. Rom- rom-coms are back in this world. <laughs> They've always been, but but I would be devoted to that romantic comedy. Oh, for because, sure, because it's a format. You know, it's it's something that, and 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 we would look at it like like with with the passion that it's gonna. It has to be as good as it can be for what it is yeah. for the budget, for the cast, yeah. for everything. You know what I mean? And and that's kind of like the approach that that um, that we take once we sign with somebody. It's, it's you know, it's a hundred percent. We're married, it's a, but it's a hundred percent because we have to be. You know, if there's problems with the script, so we tell them. You know, like we cannot pitch right now because this is not ready. Yeah, this is. We cannot go out and and burn bridges with this script. You know, you you we you really have to go through rewrite process. You know, or we're not ready. We don't have the right showrunner. Yeah. You know, it's a great project, but we have to wait for the right showrunner or the attachment. You know, uh, you know, we really have to kind of like connect those dots before. Then it, and that's why we have to all be flexible and constant communication. Yep. Sometimes projects need to marinate, just like our food. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, you know? and, and it's like, like Irishman took nine years. Yeah. For example. Yeah. This is kind of like a recent movie. It's the wife that I saw it last year, you know, about the Nobel Prize winner. That yeah. It was the wife that yeah, yeah. actually wrote his books. Yeah. That took 15 years. With Glenn Close attached since the beginning. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. You've but been it, 15 years. But it, but it was because uh, oh, we should the say novel spoiler, spoiler. was pu- published 16 years ago, and it was kind of like a Me Too feminist novel at the time. Mm. But nobody wanted to see that film. Me Too uh, happened. Yeah. You know, the whole thing happened. It's okay, let's make that film. Right, timing. Marination time like, is over. But, yeah. yeah, but the yeah. rights were there. Yeah. Glenn Close was there. Everything was there since the beginning. You know, it was just that the but, but the public, the public wasn't the, the the consciousness wasn't there. The right? consciousness wasn't there. Yeah, and so sometimes you have to you're ahead of the curve. Yeah, when when we went to that screening, my wife and I, and it was like, oh my god, like it's, it's, this is what what happens, you know? And then sometimes you have this incredible projects, and, and even with cast, and yeah. and 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 they get made, and they're huge flops. You yeah. Know? 
Yeah. You know. So it's really timing. It's and and that's such a whimsical, ephemeral thing. Timing, right? Because you can't you can't know what's going to happen before it happens. And it's like like one of my favorite shows ever made was uh, the the Fox. You know, the Bridge with uh, Damian Bichir, uh, and and that originally is is a is an it's a Northern European show. I, I think it was uh, Finland with Norway, the original one. And it's about a border. You know, they find a corpse, and one half of the corpse is in one country, and then the other one is in the other. Uh, and then they did the French-English version, you know, and it was the same idea. And then they did the Fox ones, with it, which was in, in, in Mexico, the U.S., you know. So, so, so those kind of, like, for me, are, are kind of like, like examples of, of, of how unpredictable things yeah. can be you know yeah. what I mean yeah. and I was telling Morris you know it's beat by beat they're the same shows you know beat by beat you see the the French English version and the Mexican American version and it's like hmm. the same scripts just kind of like written in in different way in like yeah. different contexts you know yeah. yeah I feel like as you're talking I want to pay you to create a list of Alex's favorite movies TV shows and books of all time because I feel like you're just rattling off movie and TV show after time after time. That would be so probably educational for our listeners to actually see. I, I am devoted to film and to TV. I'm, I, 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 mean, I, I, I go at filmmakers, not even by films. You know, my favorite filmmaker is, uh, is uh, Fellini, you know, by far. <laughs> and, and why? Uh, because like I told you at the beginning of our conversation, you know, you can really interpret. Films are better than philosophical systems. Or even religious systems, you know, mm-hmm. you, you can really interpret the world and live the world through through film, you know. Mm-hmm. And Fellini kind of like offers this incredibly complex view of the world that integrates women. His films are very rich with women. Like, and then I would go to other philosophical directors, like Chris Nolan, for example. Like, that, it, that you, there are like treatises on on the nature of reality and perception, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, and, and existence. Uh, so I would go by that, you know what I mean, by Wagner Herzog, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. what he, yeah. Uh, because I'm passionate, and we're passionate about that. You know what I mean? Because that's that's where we're aiming as a as a company, and I'm aiming as a manager producer. You know, mm. um, to be able to to bring everything that is done to the highest level possible. But do you ever cut bait? Do you ever go, "Whoa, we made a mistake"? And oh just yeah. Start, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> several times. <laughs> how do you finesse that? How do you finesse cutting bait? It is. You have to have a lot of humility. And a lot of sense of humor <laughs> <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> uh-huh. At the same time, because it's like like uh, you you really have to be able to laugh about what you're doing, and 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 also uh, that ambulance is not for me, huh? No, it's not <laughs> for you. Uh, no, I'm uh, like yeah. my parole officer. Uh, little, so, so, just, I had uh, a meeting before coming here. Yeah, did you really? Yeah. <laughs> Too many enchiladas and <laughs> <laughs> the the so so of course you know what I mean. It's like. Uh, we we were talking about about this movie that I actually kind of co-produced with Morris. It was the Israel-Mexican co-production that ended up being that after the fact, you know. Right. And 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 it was like like there were so many mistakes there, but they were not intentional, you know. Everybody had the great will, and that, but like so many things happened just wrong. And 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 I was I was freaking out at the time. I almost had a heart attack. But but right now we laugh. But you learn, you know, that you have to be humble. You know, you you have to be kind of roll with the punches and and really have a sense of humor about it really have a sense of humor about it and, and, and then you label kind of like to solve problems because it is it is crazy the mistakes that you can make <laughs> with all the experience with all the experience in the world you know yeah. you know it is um, but that's why humility is crucial crucial yeah. yeah it's almost like every day is day one you know when you're working in the world that you work in 
everything's fresh, everything's alive. Sure, you have your history, but you got to deal with what's here and now. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Like uh, one of, you know, it's um, one of my greatest experiences when I produced this animation, you know, uh, Americano the movie. And we were thinking, oh, it's going to be a Mexican-American movie and it's going to be me- Mexico, like theatrical release. And then based, because I had the experience with Morris, with Shoreline, and said, like, let's have a global sales strategy just as a plan B in case the, the theatrical release kind of like don't work. Oh, no, no, we don't want it. No, 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 let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's just try. And, and I remember that, that, that we went to our first market in Cannes and like the first territory that I, that I sold, that we sold, was Russia. <laughs> Tough film. And I was like, oh my God, like, this is crazy. And I, and, and I went, I met the Russian buyer from, from Top Film and I said, okay, it's going to sound like a stupid question, but like, this is such a Mexican-American movie it's about like birds going from Mexico to the U.S. to save a circus. And the characters are like, what, what did you see in the movie? Oh, in Russia, we love birds. <laughs> 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 and in the Middle East and everything. So, so that was like, and, and those are kind of like the unpredictable things. Because when I told that to, to the people that didn't want to do it in the production, I said, oh, my God, like, this, is, this is funny. You know, they were so fixed in their ideas. You know? and, I, and I was not planning it like that either. It's not that I had a plan. Oh, we're going to sell Russia first. And I had no clue. So you have to be humble. You have to be humble and be open-minded and adapt always. You know what I mean? Because you, know, you don't know what people are going to see, yeah. even with experience, which is interesting. Ah. Even with experience. Hmm. Alex Flores, thank you so much. We had an amazing Oaxacan meal and a wonderful conversation about learning and humility. And just thank you for sharing all your insight. It was awesome. It was great, you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for the... You're, you're more... I had my first uh, vegetarian taco today. <laughs> <laughs> all right. No palace. No palace space. I was tricked into having a vegetarian uh, yeah. meal. Yes. With, uh, yeah, uh, I tricked with, you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oaxacan yeah. restaurant, so that was good. <laughs> Uh, we're gonna put it in the script somewhere. Okay, sounds Josh great. Is, uh, it's gonna be a romantic comedy. Yes, and the American kind of like girl, like like wants kind of like his b- boyfriend to have a meal that is a vegetarian meal, and she says, "Let's go eat Mexican." And then, <laughs> right. and then, and then she she tells, oh, "Let's have nopales," huh? and then he ends up eating a full fledged. And then it's just like, "This was great." Oh, you just ate vegetarian. Yeah. <laughs> Josh is always proselytizing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 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 very open system around this. <laughs> yeah. I'm very, Yes. That's how the cult gets you. Yeah, that's just try cult. it. Just, just try it. a little bit. Yeah, yeah never go back. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And thank you for all your artistry and your sensibilities and all of your background and the literature and the music and the, um, you know, the, uh, the original, original community of, of South and Central America that comes through you. It's fantastic. It's really a joy and a pleasure to It's such a privilege. Listen, I, yeah. I feel blessed and privileged. And I love sharing the experience because it's, there's a responsibility you know and, yeah. and we're always very open like Morris Jordan and I and and, and, uh, and uh, all the people kind of working at, at our company you know it's what we share yeah it, it feels like fam- I feel like familia right yeah it feels yeah, but familiar. always sharing yeah. with our with, you know with our uh, peers and, and the audience and the people that are interested in this you know? yeah. awesome thank you thanks Alex thank you gracias, gracias.